0: Jason, we survived Valentine's Day. We're both still here, and our wives haven't killed us in our sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think Valentine's Day <laughs> went pretty well for my, my wife and I. This is our, man, seven, seventh year celebrating Valentine's Day together.
1: That's pretty nice, man.
0: I, we dated for three years, and we've been married for four. So, seven. Dang, I'd have do to the do the math.
1: Some, I'd have to do some quick math
0: on myself. What has it been, like 50 years for you? Oh, that's not even like, that's not even funny, Alex. What? It's a little funny. I'm not that old. You're not that old. You're young and spry. Yeah, and, but uh, my math really sucks. What about 15 years, would you say? Dang, I've known Jess since 03. 03, so that's 14 years. I was close. I'm double you, man. <laughs> I'm probably 13. This is probably lucky. This was lucky 13. Oh, man. So what do you guys usually do for Valentine's Day? Anything fun and exciting? Oh, we don't really celebrate it. it. I mean, in theory, it is a Hallmark holiday.
1: Yeah. We might do like a date or something, yeah. which might be ordering like <laughs> ta- take out and bringing it home and putting the kids to bed early. Like. We do that every Friday night. But on Valentine's Day, it's special, you know?
0: Yeah. A little bit special. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jess hates when I buy her flowers. I've yeah. only done it like once or twice. And she's like, hey, this was a tremendous waste of
0: money because they're just going to die. Maybe yeah, like get her something that she likes, like chocolate or something like that.
1: Yeah. We usually like, I usually get her. So, like this Valentine's Day, I got her a uh, bag for her roller derby gear. Nice. She so, probably needs it. Yeah, she did. She needed one real bad. So just real practical, real simple. I'm
0: always I'm always about functionality over fashion. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would if I'm gonna buy something, I want it to be very functional. I'm not buying it because it's fashionable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, enough about Valentine's Day. We have something incredible to talk about. Jason, you have literally cleaned out your entire house pretty much. Oh yeah, man. And you've you've <laughs> become a minimalist pretty yeah, much. I'm working
1: on it. I still have a ways to go, Alex. I did learn that my wife, Jess, is
0: a minimalist. I'm right there with you, man.
1: Already, yeah. Shauna is too. She gets really mad when
0: I bring stuff over for you. <laughs> <laughs> like we're sitting right here in my basement, right here in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. And literally everything in this basement, except for her clothes that she's waiting to get washed, is mine. Yeah. And <laughs> my know basement how it was happened. the
1: same. My basement was exactly I don't know how the same. that happens, dude. I have tubs of hockey cards from the late '80s and early '90s that are worth absolutely nothing.
0: Oh, you should make like wallets out of them and give them to kids.
1: I was going to make like posters of oh, yeah. mullet I picks. You, I guess you like, could do that. <laughs> <laughs> mullet picks? because yeah, all the players like in 91 <laughs> had these gross mullets.
0: Yamir Yager?
1: Yeah, his was legendary. <laughs> oh though. my gosh, but every that player guy. had one.
0: Dang. So I'm going
1: to make like a poster and just make a whole, I can make like a whole wall. The mullet wall. Of like score 91 hockey cards. Dang, That are dude. worth nothing dang well but man i cleaned out so many kids toys man i'm writing a, a thought you know my yeah what we're calling
0: blogs nowadays going minimalist
1: series that i've got going here as jess and i clean house and we cleaned house in a big way like we already switched all the rooms that everybody sleeps in wow so i mean that's what that's what i wrote about uh that's last week
0: right i forgot you're Your bedroom is in the basement now with the spiders. Oh. Oh, dude, not cool! Not cool. Strike two, Alex.
1: I have been like researching pesticides and safe like ways to kill bugs. Like, there's diatomaceous earth, like, which is like these old like algae, like old hard algae, basically. So it's like super safe, but it like shreds the exoskeletons on bugs
0: nice shredder yeah Yeah.
1: and so like i'm gonna powder my entire basement with that stuff (laughs) because i am terrified of bugs that was like our one hesitation like moving down there well wait
0: till animal facts for jason later in the episode uh, dude to see the look on oliver's
1: face when he got his own bedroom was priceless really yeah dude it was something special like he was so pumped to get his own bedroom because all three of my boys shared a room i mean you saw it like yeah they were packed in there like sardines, and they keep growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. So the space was getting smaller. But, but yeah, this past weekend, I cleaned out all their toys. I'm going to post before and after pictures. It'll blow your mind. Wow. Dude, we got rid of so many toys. Uh, I need
0: to do that. I need to do that.
1: Yeah, you might have more toys in your basement than my kids <laughs> do, Alex. <laughs>
0: Not more Legos. They're blowing you out of the water in the Lego
1: department.
0: Just Well, Jason, you you bring up you bring up a point about how just the the fact that you got to see your son's face and like how that's just that priceless moment that like will always be ingrained in the back of your brain. I had that also this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of did Valentine's Day a little bit different because I mean, last year my daughter was 2 months old. Yeah. So we couldn't really do anything.
1: Yeah, she's pretty much a blob at that point.
0: So but now, you know, she's 14 months old. We did something. I, I, I took the girls down to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. And Ann Arbor is about an hour south of Flint. And we went to, it's called the, it was called the Hands On uh, Children's Museum oh, I've in heard Ann Arbor. That place is rad. It is super awesome. And just, and my daughter, she's 14 months. She's walking around. She doesn't really know what's going on. But like when yeah. to see her get excited. About all the different exhibits because it's basically like a science museum, but like it's like for kids like four and under yeah, that they I can understand and they can learn and they can do things. Like they had this really cool, um, it's called a laser harp.
1: Nice. And that
0: sounds intense. It's like it's some a laser. F- lasers. <laughs> I want sharks with freaking laser beams <laughs> on their heads. Um, but. So, like, the way it works is it has these lasers, and whenever the laser is disturbed, it sends a frequency to a speaker, and that puts out a tone. And so, like, you you could literally, like, play harp, and there's no strings. It's just lasers. That that's you, awesome. It's, you know, it's what uh, futuristic David would play. You yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> Playing his laser harp. That's the, that's the harp of heaven right there. I'll, also, I, I do want to point out that I, uh, not only did I get to see my daughter's face just light up when we went to this uh, museum. But I also skipped church. Oh, this Alex. Sunday. I wasn't there sinner. And the reason why I wasn't there is because I was shooting guns. Oh, <laughs> like double sinner, Alex.
1: You know how I feel about guns. But we'll get into that in a different episode. Yeah, but I mean, that
0: one's coming down the road. I had a really great time hanging out with my family and I did go to my small group later. So I made up for it. Yeah. But Jason, why don't you tell everybody why we're get, what we're talking about today?
1: Well, I'm just wondering, Alex. You miss church, but did you take in any sermons by chance? You you listen to some of your favorite mega pastors? Uh perhaps? no,
0: I actually no? did. I've been listening to audiobooks like crazy. Oh yeah. I just got done with the The Shawshank Redemption by Stephen King. Nice. I wanted to hear how Was the, a movie on that, you know? Yeah. With, I listened with that. The movie's really really good and I would even say that this is the one occasion where the movie is better than the book. Yeah. But the book was still really really good. So that's what I did all day Sunday. <laughs> listen to <laughs> Shawshank Redemption on audiobook. A Word from
1: our Lord. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs>
0: I'm the guy who can get you things. My name's Red. Get busy living or get busy dying. Oh, we can do quotes <laughs> like that all the time. We'll just wait. We'll let the boys from Red Rum Theater take that one. But what what we're talking about today <laughs> I just is another
1: one, I won't say it.
0: <laughs> what we're talking about today is pastors. Yeah. And the fact that one of the things that we like to do as people who are, you know, people, lay people or just regular church attendees, is we worship the crap out of our pastors. Yeah,
1: we were made for worship, Alex. And sometimes and we worship
0: the wrong
1: things. It gets misplaced, man. And I think a lot of it falls on the
0: pastor. I mean, yeah, kind of. I think it goes both ways, but still, like, if the pastor's starting to see it. He should recognize it and then yep. shut it down. Shut it down,
1: and I bet that's way harder to do yeah. than, it, than it even sounds like. Because that's got a there's an element of that that's got to feel nice to get some recognition. Because a pastor's job is ridiculously hard, like a legitimately hardworking pastor. I got some stories I could share of some people who have had some heartbreaking days in ministry. Alex, you've had a few of those days. Eh, a couple, like. Yeah. Just terrible days, like where ministry's like not worth it, you know? Yeah.
0: And you just pray and ask Jesus to take you home.
1: Yeah. And then on top of all that pressure, like we expect a lot out of pastors. So we're going to be talking about pastors today.
0: Yep. And it's going to get real cray in here. This is not your pastor's pastors episode.
1: Those were some nasty candy hearts, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is Valentine's Day and you got to get those conversation hearts. But Jason, those were gross. I wouldn't know because I'm not allowed to eat them, but.
1: Yeah, well, I was eating them for you and (laughs) not working,
0: dude. You know, there are starving kids in China. I'm a big fan of the holiday.
1: You're being ridiculous. (laughs) I'm a big fan of the holiday candy and candy hearts are one of my favorites, but those were nasty anyway.
0: But these tweets that you're about to read. Not nasty at all. So tell everybody what, what what you did there on Twitter.
1: Yeah, so, you know, me learning Twitter like I am. <laughs> uh, I found out that Fridays, and this show comes out on a Friday, Yeah. is like hashtag FF, follow Friday. Okay. Uh, I had to Google that, so I knew what it was. <laughs> but I didn't, like, ask people, you know, like normal humans would. You know, I just sought out the answer <laughs> for myself via the internet thanks google i don't have much of a social life alex <laughs> but i i tweeted at a bunch of our podcasting friends who yeah. have podcasts similar to ours who we, we always put in those hashtag ff things you know yeah not really knowing what the heck they are
0: i thought it meant freaky friday and i was like isn't that a lindsey lohan movie from disney yeah,
1: it is mean <sighs> girls dude
0: That movie.
1: Is one of my favorites. Really?
0: Yes. We're not a movie podcast. Read the tweets. Okay. (laughs) All right. So basically I asked people, I said, do people
1: worship their pastors? Thoughts? Question mark. Interesting. Yeah. And I got a lot back. So Christian alcoholic says this. He says, yes. And it creates unbearable pressure like that, which led to Perry Noble abusing alcohol. I can see it. Yeah.
0: I can see it for sure. We're going to get
1: to that in a little bit. Bros, Bibles, and Beer says it happens. People probably aren't aware they do it, though. People crave strong leaders. The question is how did Jesus lead? By humbling himself. That's not very popular. We're gonna read some scripture to go along with that. I think I think it ties in, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah,
1: humbling is not like uh, it's not a popular thing. And then if
0: you sure. like acknowledge the fact that you're like I'm being so humble right now, then you're prideful. Uh, no, I know I acknowledge that
1: I'm humble all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Like if I don't say it out loud, I'm definitely thinking it. Like I'm like the most humble
0: person I know right now. Well, you got some more.
1: Yeah, method theology, which we had like a lengthy discussion. 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 <laughs> Discussion. Yeah, we had
0: a lengthy Discussia.
1: discussion on inerrancy. Yeah. And I think we're going to ask them to come on and talk about inerrancy. But she said, it's kind of mute for me. Do people sin? Yeah, but what are you going to do? Symptom versus disease. A shame, but I probably do it too somehow. Oh, Alex, man, man. That's one of the things we're going to talk about because I think both you and I are guilty of... Guilty
0: of as charged.
1: worshiping our pastor. Uh, Amanda from Twisted Sisters. Did I say it right? I think you said it right. <laughs> Amanda, think, right? Yeah,
0: you you good, man. You yeah, got it.
1: I know like Michael from the he, uh He's terrible with it. I tried. He struggles. Yeah, but she says that was definitely my experience. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I know it fable podcast they had a lot to say and it said it says it's terrible problem as the church moves more reactionary both in fundamental and progressive circles a humility problem on the pastor facilitating it and an apathy problem on the congregation perpetuating the whole thing and alex i had to look a lot of those words up but it's a really profound statement like don't you think the church is pretty reactionary right now yes absolutely like something happens and people have to have a say in it
0: right like
1: I, like I I don't think noble. social like, media helps though. No, it doesn't at all. Church and other drug says 100. That's how people like Driscoll can manipulate, abuse Man, people, Driscoll, and why Ferdick's house is bigger than Oprah's. What just, yeah. is that like a legit statistic? So. he makes a lot of money, dude. I think
0: somebody I think I saw a meme where it was just like, you know, you can house all the refugees like caught up in this refugee crisis at Stephen Ferdick's oh, house. Oh my goodness, if he would dude. just open
1: it up. That is that's brutal. And then Richard, our buddy at Unchurching, Unchurching ah, Podcast, Richard. Richard, author Richard, of Richard. the book Unchurching, yep, said, we often place them on a pedestal, that's for sure. And then I replied, who's to blame, the congregation or the pastor? And he says, I don't blame either. We inherited today's church model. We didn't invent it. And it takes a real revelation to see through it. And he's completely right. But then Gunnar Falk, his partner in crime, <laughs> <laughs> he says, I blame Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> To that, which,
0: that guy is just awful.
1: To which I pointed out he was an undercover Sith Lord. <laughs> and then I put a wolf in sheep's clothing, and he's like, I finally, I fully buy that conspiracy theory. Oh my gosh! God's miracle plan says both are to blame. Man would rather live by law, religion, and lead to other people, other men than uh, than the lead of God. And then our buddies at Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast, who are actually pastors, yeah, I asked them like straight up, do you guys feel like people worship you, like treat you as idols? And, what is that? and they said, no, we feel blamed more than worshiped. <laughs> 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 and I would say that if you feel blamed, it could be a sign that people have put you on a pedestal. So yeah, Alex, dude. dude, through all these tweets, through this whole conversation... I really like think we should define what a pastor is and what we would realistically expect out of one.
0: Right. So, I mean, I think we got to we got to tear down some of the things that pastors shouldn't be as okay. well. Like I think that's I think that's a good a good starting point like I think pastors and this I hope nobody takes this the wrong way. We're not
1: pastors, Alex. We can say whatever we, we can want. can say whatever Our we Our job's want. not on the line. That's <laughs> one of the
0: reasons I'm not a pastor. So my thought, Jason, is that this. Your pastor isn't the guy that does ministry for your whole church.
1: You got to elaborate on that. So
0: like one of the things that I think a lot of people do, especially in the church church model that we, we experience today, is like it's almost like all I'm doing is I'm coming here and I'm listening to my pastor tell stories about different ministry opportunities that he's had throughout the week or whatever. And I've heard lots of pastors have these stories that they tell and those are all well and good. But it like for even for a while for me, I was like, man, he's doing such great work for the kingdom. Well, I better go home and just sit on the couch and watch cartoons. And it was, and it's almost like expected like, well, he's the guy that God picked to do all this evangelism stuff. Like, and he's really equipped to do it. He's got a college degree in it. So like, He's the guy, and like I'm just I'm just here to give my money,
1: and that's bad. But, dude, Alex, I, there's been so many times where I wished I was that guy. Where people would like just... Like, I wish I was seeing all those miracles from God be worked every week, you know? It's just yeah. an incredible thing after one another, and it's like, man, you know, if I didn't work a secular job, maybe I could witness more of those and, you know, kind of get depressed and down myself, and so... What do you do? You watch TV because it's like, oh, I must not be God's anointed. Oh, man. But I really like. People need to get over that. So I know it, dude. It's hard to get over. So, I mean, Alex, I've spent some time, and so have you. Like, I preach. I preach a lot.
0: Yeah, you I'm do. I'm
1: not a pastor. There's a huge difference.
0: I, would, I yeah, shudder. I Teachers and pastors are different. I shudder when people call me, hey, Pastor Jason. Oh, <laughs> I <like>, get it. <laughs> Did I ever tell you my story about how I got introduced to a bunch of, like, other older men as, hey, this is Pastor Al from Flint. (laughs) Pastor Al. This guy, I I love him to death. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't get permission. But he literally, I met him, like, once or twice. And I never introduced myself as a pastor. I just said, I work at this church in downtown Flint. And that's about it. And... Like, he introduced me, and he's just like, one, I never said my name was Al. I've always said my name is Alex. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, this is uh, Pastor Al from such-and-such such church plant in Flint. And I'm <laughs> <Nice>. like,
1: what? <laughs> Pastor Al. When you're wearing that flannel, I instantly think of Al, Al from Home Improvement. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Pastor Al. <laughs> dude, but I've... I've I've preached I've I have filled in for our pastor and I've preached to crowds of 300, 400 people on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it's intense, dude. It's humbling. Yeah, and that's like to me that's when I realized I'm I'm up in front of all these people and I'm preaching. They're there, they're listening to me, mm-hmm. and I prepared this message, but I looked out at the congregation. I said, "These are not my people," meaning. I am not their shepherd, and I better be careful what I say because I could really jack this up for a shepherd. Yeah. And, dude, I had the highest amount of respect. So, like, I think of it this way, and there's, lots of, like, lots of illustrations I could use, but, like, I'm sitting there watching, like, This Old House or something on PBS because <laughs> we, don't, we don't have cable. So I'm, I'm watching the show, and this guy's making this uh, stool, yeah, this three-legged stool that isn't held together with any fasteners. It's just held together with like the tension and, and the way the wood is is hammered together, more or less. Mm-hmm. And so he's working on this stool, and he's he's spinning it around, and he's tapping on each leg, like very gently, like one at a time, like taking his time working away this yeah. working around this stool. So, and I I think of that when I preach. Because when a pastor preaches to his people, to his flock, he isn't just popping up a pre-manufactured stool, yeah. a pre-manufactured lesson. I would certainly hope not. No, he looks at, out at the congregation, he looks at those faces, and he knows the backstory of all those people. And his sermon is crafted in such that portions of it are, are tailored to people. And it's like he's putting the, putting the stool together and he's just tapping on the legs and all this is going together all as one piece. Like it's truly, truly, truly an art form that yeah. goes far beyond preaching. Pastoring is way deeper. Preaching. Anybody can preach.
0: Yeah. Anybody I think
1: c- yeah. everybody should preach, which goes along with a project you and I starting, which we'll, we'll get to in a, f- we'll a to. few weeks from now, but Everybody can preach. Everybody should preach to a certain degree. Yeah. We don't all have to sound the same. That's not what I'm getting at. But not everybody should be a pastor. No. And to me, this is why I don't have a problem when Perry Noble preaches on a weekend.
0: The guy can preach. He can preach, yeah. Why can't I, he preach? I think I've
1: listened to one of his sermons. I, I haven't listened to any of his sermons. i just seen pictures of him. He looks like a douche.
0: Oh. <laughs> Dang, Gina. As big as Mark
1: Driscoll. Oh, oh. They all kind of have those goofy press photos. Yeah, dude. Like, I thought like we maybe. We should
0: get into that because that right there is we like. We should have
1: Shauna take some press photos uh. of us. <laughs> I'm not shaving my beard. No, definitely no. not we would definitely be like the the hipster pastor mm-hmm. in our like auditorium with just one candle oh, and we yeah. we'd create this very artistic so so good dude yeah this artistic beautiful moment of worship <laughs> yeah. we're getting off topic i know it
0: <laughs> so for you jason what so we kind of talked a little bit i said you know this is what a pastor isn't so what are your some of your like go to like things that define what a pastor is because I mean, really, all we have to go off of is what the Bible says. And like, I know even nowadays, like that's, that's even a polarizing topic. Like, well, the Bible says this, so that's how we're going to live our life. But what do you think? I mean, for, for us, like we look at the Bible, we say, okay, these are some things that are going to define a pastor.
1: Yeah, I mean, Alex. Like for me, you know, I love the Book of Ezekiel, right?
0: Yeah, you're weird like that. I
1: bring it up all the time. We were on probably the wrong podcast talking about Calvinism, and I'm reading out of Ezekiel. Like, it's just my go-to for, (laughs) like, it just is. Like, I love the book. I don't know why, but in chapter 33, and I believe it's in Jeremiah too, um, when we met with our pastor years ago about being pastors i don't know you remember this or not i don't know if you were there for the first class because you joined a little bit i joined later
0: yeah i had to work some things out
1: but our first lesson was about being a watchman
0: No, that's that's a solid text
1: yeah and so he read from us in jeremiah but i'm going to keep it in ezekiel because why not and it says the word of the lord came to me son of man that's Ezekiel in this instance. Speak to your people and say to them If I bring the sword upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land, and blows the trumpet, and warns the people, then if anyone hears the sound of the trumpet, does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon him. But If he had taken warning, he would have been saved, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, so the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So to me, when I think about what is a pastor's role, like. I, I, I couple that with something we read in Richard Jacobson's Unchurching book, Yeah, where he says, "You can tell a shepherd because he smells like his sheep because yeah, he's that's in a solid, solid. And analogy. he's around them all day long. Mm-hmm. And he's with them, and he's guiding them, and he's leading them. and he's with them all day long. He smells like his sheep. and to me, he's looking out for them. He's he's keeping an eye on danger. And that's what I get out of this watchman passage here. It's like, I, I'm here, and I'm going to declare warning when it comes. Like, you better watch out. I'm going to speak some hard truths into your life. Like, if you don't take care of these, this could happen. And if I don't warn the people, if I'm the pastor and I refuse to warn the people that, hey, this could come, their blood is on my hands.
0: Yeah. And that's that should be a sobering thought, yeah that like there's been so many I remember when I worked at the church. I would have a bunch of kids come up to me because I would go and preach at different colleges because Flint is actually turning into like a college town in my mind. there's like three or four different major uh, colleges and universities in the downtown Flint area alone, and kids would always come up to me and say, "I feel called to be a pastor. What do I need to do?" I said, and I basically said like. Uh, before you pursue it, make sure it's really what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Because it's not something to be taken lightly. No. Like, you're going to be held accountable to God for what you do yep. as a pastor. And it's like, there are so many guys that are going into ministry. They have no idea. They literally just think, it. I'm going to collect a paycheck. And I'm going to teach Bible studies for yep. the rest of my life. And that's not a pastor. Yeah, I'm going to babysit Christians. Oh, Ernesto. Ernesto said that. That that's sti- that's stuck with me for a it while. It did, man. me too, man. That's,
1: that's heavy. Being a pastor is heavy work. Like, I have heard some horror stories. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, I'll use one for my dad, for example. My dad was a pastor. I'm a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. I got all kinds of fun stories about the church. A <laughs> bunch of jerks. So <laughs> <laughs> my dad gets a phone call. And it's the cops, and they say, small town, small church. They say, hey, there was an accident, and we found a Bible in the front of the car, and it had a pamphlet for your church in it. We think these kids go to your youth group. We can't identify the bodies because the wreckage is so bad. Can you come and identify the kids? So he gets out there, and he says he could only identify the kids by what shoes they had on,
0: oh my God, so
1: imagine that's your typical Wednesday night. then he gets a phone call same night, cops again, hey, your church was broken into, and all the sound equipment was stolen out of it. so now let's hear you bring a message from the Lord on Sunday morning <laughs> and tell me that being a pastor is not a weighty job, like I have a tremendous amount of spec respect for like for small town pastors, yeah, dude. I mean, I'm not talking mega church. I'm talking like the the pastors, the who guys are who actually
0: it. smell like their sheep, like you yes. said before. And isn't that weird? Like the guys that are actually know their people and are really like intertwined in their lives. Like they usually have the smallest congregation. Yeah, and guess what? I you think that's interesting?
1: You 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 probably haven't seen them on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you you probably haven't read the book that they wrote. Yeah. You probably haven't heard the new song that they wrote and seen it on YouTube and been learning the tutorials for it because they're extremely humble and they're all about other people mm-hmm. and
0: and they can only do so much because yeah, you, you, you can, can only stretch yourself so thin. That's why I'm like, I don't, I don't think the mega church models working very well. No, I think there's instances where it can work, but I, I think, I think, like, I think there's obviously there's pros and cons to everything, but I just don't <sighs>
1: like to me. I've told, I've told our pastors this. If I were an elder, I'd limit a pastor for like every 80 people.
0: Yeah, dude. You
1: would have a pastor for every 80 people. And for every 80 people this is this is my flock. Mhm. Like, and I'm going to take care and I'm going to do my best. But
0: I don't think the flock would h- adhere to that. Probably not. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know of any churches like, actually doing that. So I don't want to I don't want to speak too much into because some of the people that are that know my story and were a part of what has happened to me in ministry probably listen to this podcast. But one of the things that was really disturbing to me and the thing that broke my heart is when we, we went our church basically went multi-site. Yeah. And when we went multi-site, it was fun and it was cool for everybody for like a month. Yeah. And then everybody was like, all right, cool. This is, this is a different, I think I'm going to go back. And go back to the the guy that I'm used to, the pastor that I'm used to listening to. Yeah, and that broke my heart because I used to I used to call people all the time. And, and if for those of you who haven't haven't heard our earlier episodes, I used to work at a church plant in downtown Flint, and I was basically the 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 location guy. I wasn't a pastor. I didn't want to be called a pastor, but I helped run things at the location that we had in downtown Flint. And I, I remember, Jason, I used to make phone calls to all the people that had said, we're, we're committing to our, the Flint location. And I had called them. and would say, yeah, we just weren't feeling it. So we went back to the main location. Yep. And I'm like, you guys went back to a guy. You didn't yep. go back to a location. You went back to a guy, people that you were familiar with. And you said you were going to do this. And then you didn't. And it was like. The, the
1: most articulate, entertaining speaker wins the day. Yep. Like, he just does, Alex. And I have another passage on that. And I think, like, especially in our mega church, like, uh, culture, that this one, like, this one really stands out to me. All right. Again, Alex, from Ezekiel.
0: Again.
1: Yeah. Ezekiel 33. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain, And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Alex, how much does that sound like the church today? It sounds like, so here's the... We want to help those people in Flint, but do we really want to help those people in Flint? Ooh, no, no. The answer to that question is no. We, we honestly, truly don't really want to help them. Otherwise we would, I would commit to Flint and move to Flint. If I really loved my neighbor as myself Mm. and I really wanted them to know them as myself, I would do it. I would help the poor. I'd be handing out water. I'd be doing what it takes. But people don't really want to do it. They listen. The words sound nice. The pastor sounds great. His message really spoke to me today.
0: Dude, isn't that just a crazy thing? The message really spoke to me today. I know it. And it's like, I just felt so convicted. And then you go home and do nothing. You sit and you watch. People You watch. You binge watch Friends on Netflix all day and it's like, Was that in the sermon? Was that the thing that you felt really convicted that you needed to do after you heard from the Lord? Our pastor
1: used to say Sunday afternoon is the most depressing day of the week for him. Because it's just like you spent, I may be misquoting him here, but I imagine like you spend all this time like preaching and like searching your own heart. Because before you can preach a message to somebody else, you have to preach it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's brutal. Like you're finding out all these hard truths about you and you're in God's word. And then you put the message together and you speak the message. And then there's nothing (laughs) after it. Just people. And you don't know how God used it. You don't know who changed and who didn't. You might not know for years down the road. Right. Right. You probably have that one A hole Christian who says, Oh, Pastor, great job. I love you, I love the message, great stuff. And then you see him being a fool on Facebook the very next day.
0: Depressing. That is so depressing.
1: But that to me that sounds like the church today. That sounds like the megachurch culture. And here Ezekiel is getting this word from the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel.
0: Thousands of years ago. They
1: only cared about themselves. They only cared about
0: their own. Lustful gain jason that's that is really that is really sobering to hear to hear you say that
1: it's not me, Alex. it's the Lord. oh, from Ezekiel.
0: Wait a second, did I just do pastor worship towards you? You I, did I am so sorry, you know, what? brother, forgive me.
1: I better kick myself
0: down a notch, you know <laughs> well, how about this? Why don't we take a quick break and we'll get back right into it after this all right. Jason, welcome to the break.
1: We're going to get some show updates. Because we don't have
0: any five-star reviews. Oh, we don't have any five-star no, reviews. No, no
1: five-star reviews this
0: week. But hey, if you leave a five-star review and you leave us a comment, we will read it on the air. Yeah. Like, no joke. Even if you have the most ridiculous name, we're going to read it. Yep. Even if it's a curse word, Jason will read it. Yeah, I'll read it. <laughs> I'll, read it. I'll read it twice. I hope we because get, this like, is not a- your pastor's <laughs> podcast yeah. yeah but Jason you wanted to give everybody aside from you know promoting the five-star reviews which that really helps us out so if you have a five-star review for us or if you even have a comment or a critique to help the show become better we'd love to hear it yeah but apart from that we have some show updates yeah, tell us about our friend Keith.
1: Our friend Keith Giles, man, his book is just taken off. They sold out of the first printing of it. So if I go on Amazon right now, I can't get any. I think um, his publisher is doing a reprint of it, so it will be available like very shortly. But isn't that cool? Like you got a copy, didn't you? Yeah, it did.
0: You got a signed copy.
1: I did. Yes, That's legit. You got a signed copy of Richard and on Churching. I'm really jealous. So, yeah, I know. Richard, if you're listening, <laughs> Jason would like a book, too. Just saying. I mean, I have a book. It just doesn't have your signature in it. So, let's make that happen.
0: But, yeah, so Keith's book just is flying off the Amazon shelves. Yeah. And people are reading it, and I'm so glad people are reading it. Yeah, Jesus so, Untangled. And, and if you listen to that episode, like yeah, you, episode know, 18. you know Keith's heart. Keith's heart He's is... a good dude. ...preach... He basically is pointing people to Jesus. Yep. Get your eyes off of the Republican Party, get it off of the Green Party, get it off of the Democrats, get it off of the Libertarians. Focus on Jesus.
1: Yeah, there's more power in the gospel to change people's hearts than there is in
0: political... Absolutely, okay. and then the the other the other episode we want to we want to plug because we recorded this episode last week, and if you haven't listened to it, please go listen to it. Is our episode that we did with my good friend Blake? Yeah, the and this is just an episode where we scratched the surface of sex trafficking, human yeah. trafficking.
1: I think there's like like you, Alex, you didn't know a whole lot going into it. No, I did. Like I had I had some exposure to it, but. I mean I knew the moment that you brought up Like Taken
0: and Liam Neeson That's about as much as I knew
1: Holy crap Alex needs some education Because that's that's all he's got And like there's lots of people like that though And we think that Okay it's a given people There's sex trafficking and human trafficking Yeah that's a thing But we
0: need to talk about it We need to figure out how we can just shut it down Like well I mean
1: just those conversations Just bringing the awareness Like this is a thing This happens You know there was that that, uh, uh, flight attendant
0: who Yeah, noticed. that story yeah. is such a great story who knows so much more of that yeah
1: that girl like because she was a victim of sex trafficking was able to identify another girl everybody needs a working knowledge of that and that's how we that's how we crush this thing alex yeah and just loving people yeah like being intentional
0: mm-hmm. absolutely well you want to get back in the episode bash some more pastors yeah let's bash some pastors So imagine with me, Jason. Yeah. Imagine you're this pastor guy, right? And you're putting in all the long they're putting in the long hours. You're doing marriage counseling. You're you're performing funerals for for all ages, and it's just it's sometimes it's just heartbreaking work. You're you're restoring relationships. You're 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 identifying bodies that the police has called you to to come and identify. Brutal. And then all of a sudden. You preach a sermon on a Sunday, and you start getting the pats on the back, Woo! And it's like, you know what, Pastor? That sermon really spoke to me. You have a gift that God has anointed you. And then it's almost like, for me, it was hard when I had the, when I was in that position in Flint. People would come up to me and go, "Man, I never knew that about the scripture." Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Oh, you have a way of preaching where it just, it speaks to me. You gotten that? I have, oh, dude. Oh,
1: man. And I always say, nope, that was the Holy Spirit. I'm incapable. <laughs> I, I have to say
0: that, like people used to give me I, pats on the back and I'm like, thanks for But like at the same time, like I can't take any credit for it.
1: Yeah. The worst thing you can do to me is tell me good job, dude. But I'm I'm the same way again. I'm not the pastor. So imagine all the hard work I've put in and getting that feeling like all the hard work I've done is finally getting recognized. There's finally a payoff. God's finally blessing it and up go the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice sound effect. Yep, I got we a lot of them. Yeah, we don't need sound effects. We have Pastor Al here. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> jerk. That just sounds like something Pastor Al would do. Oh, little yeah. sound effects. I'm going to start calling you that on the show. Whenever you have like a little Flanders
0: moment. <laughs> well, hi, diddly, hi there, neighborinos. <laughs> Take it easy, Pastor Al. <laughs> and there we go. It's been established in the mouth of, was it the mouth of two or three witnesses that all things be established? Yeah. Boom, oh. son. Anyway, so it's in our nature to make idols, Jason. Yeah, for sure. And whether that's the pastor becoming like full of himself and basically worshiping his position and almost, in a sense, worshiping himself, or it's the people that are putting him on a pedestal, we make idols like crazy, dude.
1: Yeah, and here's my thing, Alex, is I think that... 95% of the churchgoers listening to this have made an idol out of their pastor in some fashion or another. Tell
0: me a story about how you've done it. How I've done it personally. How you've done it and then I'll tell mine. Oh, man. Okay. So what's an idol, Alex? Well, an idol is anything that takes the place of God. So like I for me this is one of my go-to verses, and I know this, we're, we're reading a lot of Bible this episode. But for me, whenever I exchange the image of the glory of God for something that isn't God, that's when I've made it an idol. Yeah. When I whenever I spend more money, and, it, and I've heard lots of <laughs> I've heard lots of pastors say this. It's funny. Whatever you spend your money the most on. Yeah, you sound like uh,
1: Tim Keller. Yeah. Whatever you spend the most of your money on, whatever your you time. spend the most of your time daydreaming about, whatever it is that, man, if I had that, I would be complete. Mm. And for me, that idol was ministry and yeah. guilty by association was our pastor, right? Because he's the guy that I wanted the approval from. He's the guy I wanted the pat on the back for from. So I'd go and I'd preach at an old folks home and I'd be waiting for him to say, Hey, how did it go? Jason? Like the only thing he had going on his entire week was, uh, just waiting to hear how I did at the old folks home because you know, he wasn't doing anything else all day. Right. Mm -hmm. He wasn't counseling people. He wasn't doing a funeral. He wasn't taking care of his own family. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I had, made an idol out of them and so when i didn't get the pat on the back i start to get bitter and to me that was the point like why do i need like i know him he's a good good dude yeah why do i need that pat on the back from him especially like don't i already have the pat on the back from god
0: yeah and doesn't it never go away He's always there. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's basically patting your back 24/7. And he's
1: never going to let me down.
0: Yet we crave the attention the, of the pastor. Exactly. That's the
1: boat that I was in.
0: So, I'll tell you mine. And right. I was thinking about if I could tell something from my like just personal ministry days like anybody who works at a church and you're you're not the head pastor of said church it's really hard for you to delineate between like this guy is your pastor, but he's also your boss. So not only are you like under him spiritually, but you're under him also in a, in a workplace environment. Yeah. But I think for me, the biggest example of pastor worship that I had uh, as a young man was I would every day would devour hours of Mark Driscoll sermons. And then when his, when his kingdom came toppling down, I denied it for months. Yeah. And I was like, no, nah, man, they're just out to get him because he's so popular and he's actually doing good things and preaching the word. There's just a bunch of haters tearing him down. And then you listen to the stories of people who were affected by what he did, and it was like, oh, snap. Like, these people were legitimately hurt, and he isn't God. He isn't Jesus Jr. He is just yeah. a man who screwed up royally. Yep. But the fact that I defended him, and some of you people who listen to this podcast have even heard me defend this man. That's worship. Yeah. And it's bad. And I, re- yep. I finally recognized that after I started hearing all the stories about the people that were actually hurt. And I'm like, man, like he's just like any other dude. He's going to let people down. He's going to hurt people. Yeah. He's not God. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was telling you about family member because I think it happens on that mega level for sure. Yeah. And then they become a laughing stock. So like you try to like, you know, just push it off or brush it off, whatever. But it really does have an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Like, cause this is a devout man of God, right? I think on the local level, people look at their local pastors in the same fashion and they treat their pastors differently. This is why pastors don't have friends.
0: Yeah, the only friends they have they are other pastors.
1: They can't be open and honest
0: with people because their job depends. I think that's generations of looking at the quote unquote holy men though and setting them aside and p- basically we put them on a pedestal. As soon as it you is. hear somebody's a pastor, your language changes. You're, yep. you're you don't tell those dirty jokes anymore. Nope. And you act a certain way because, oh, my gosh, here's God's holy guy. Yep. And, yeah, God has maybe plucked him out to do certain things that are different from you for whatever reason. But in the end of the day, he's
1: a dude. Yep. And they can't. They can no longer be normal. They're not yeah. just a normal guy. Like, you just assume they don't struggle with porn or alcohol or addiction or anything of that nature. Yeah, dude right like uh they got to fit into that that Timothy and Titus mold right yeah their kids must
0: be in line right mhm but uh, most pk kids pastors kids are not yeah
1: they turn out to be a wreck because the dad's always gone pursuing the new book deal right
0: oh that's that's <laughs> the other facet right there pastors uh, worshipping their position yes yeah and I think that stems, too,
1: from getting those pats on the back repeatedly. And then you start seeing the church grow. And the church the church growth has nothing to do with the pastor. No. Let's just lay that out there. Like we God know, builds his church. Yes. He builds it. And it's often, like in Acts chapter 9, the people walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and God added to their number daily. Mm-hmm the people listened to a fantastic uh, message from the pastor and the Lord added to their church daily. No, it doesn't work that way. The, the pastor does nothing. He does nothing. Mm-hmm. God does it. Yep. There's, but the pastor thinks that he's done it.
0: Some of them do.
1: So once the pastor has this King David moment and where he looks out at his kingdom and he says, look at the kingdom I have created. Look at the church I've created. I am the brand. Oh, Mark Driscoll.
0: Yeah. You know, they had a contingency plan like when he died. Like if if for something, if something freak accident was to happen to him and he died, they were basically going to do what they did uh, when he left. And I just think that's crazy. Like, when oh, dissolve, we lose, dissolve into separate Yeah, campuses. when we lose our guy, there's no possible way we can keep this giant church family together, about 16,000 yeah. people. So we might as well just dissolve it into all these separate locations because there's no way they're going to unite under Jesus and all be one church together.
1: Yeah. Man, let's I, just, like, let's not be stupid either. God's working in, through that and yeah, using that. He is. And maybe that—that's probably the best thing. That's probably what needed to happen in that situation.
0: I—I um, I agree, but at the same time, it's—it's it's really telling when the main guy, the guy that you've put on a pedestal, who and whatever you can—you can add in any church, church uh, mega church pastor in there, the celebrity pastor Stephen Furtick, Perry yeah. Noble, Mark Driscoll. Uh, I can't
1: stand Stephen
0: Furtick. I don't like him. I haven't listened to gonna...
1: any of his sermons. I usually see like videos of him on Twitter. We have we follow a lot of pastors on Twitter just to see what's going on. In Joel
0: Olstein.
1: Yeah, we follow them all, man. And Creflo uh, Dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had pastors like crazy because we want to see what they're doing. Yeah, uh, we follow Benny George, Hinn. Joyce Meyer.
0: Benny Hinn,
1: dude. We yeah, follow, we Benny, do Hinn. follow <laughs> Benny Hinn. <laughs>
0: just slap the people in the face like
1: well who does not your pastor's podcast follow and it's all these like <laughs> mega pastors we just like we want to see what's going on in the world i totally lost the track it's
0: like watching nascar yeah. like you're just waiting for an accident to that's oh man that's bad yeah but
1: yeah. sad but alex i got to get back to ezekiel here uh, because there's
0: more man
1: ezekiel dude is where it's at it's basically like the sixth gospel so listen to this Warning to the shepherds of Israel. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, and they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out.
0: This has been Daily Bible Reading with Pastor Jason. If you would like to subscribe to more Bible reading from Jason, you can get a hold of him at www.jasonreadsthebible.com. Thanks, Alex.
1: <laughs> I'm getting better at reading those passages, man. You I mean, fun. I feel like
0: again, we're we're this is not your pastors' podcast, and we are doing the most pastor thing anybody does. But
1: we're talking about pastors, and we're not pastors, since the name "Not Your Pastors" podcast. But I'm just saying. Anyway, we're reading a lot of scripture, but that's how you got to look at the pastors, man. You got to judge them by their word.
0: Yeah. Right? If they're preaching out of the book, then they got to be judged by the book they're preaching out of.
1: But that doesn't that sound like some of these mega pastors today, they only care about themselves. They only care about their book deal right man it's no longer about the gospel and about jesus it's about their big giant house and their comfort and their kingdom that they've established
0: so then they start tailor mating their tailor making their sermons to continue to build the kingdom yes and that's so this is the thing that i've been really interested like one of the surefire ways for you to like make money off of something is if you tailor made it to christians because christians are always looking for something that new thing and as long as you have everything we we do like VeggieTales, like VeggieTales is not the best animated cartoon out there, but Christians eat it up because it's a quote unquote yeah, Christian.
1: My grandmother-in-law bought me a multi-tool with a Bible verse on it, and the only reason she bought it was because it had a Bible verse on it. Like, mm. that's it, man.
0: So then pastors take that, and, and this is not every pastor, and Jason and I want to make that clear, like this is not every pastor. We're not. We're not... And no, we've done we a lot, love we've done a lot defending the pastors so far. We love pastors. Like I remember, there's been weeks where I've like met three or four different pastors in a week, one on one, just one on one, just get coffee it's awesome. with them. And so we love pastors, and don't get us wrong, but the guys that we, there's guys out there, and there's churches out there that put these guys up on pedestals, and that's the thing that that thing needs to die. Yeah, and so like, but people make these guys out to be something so much more. Yeah. And then the pastor's just like, I can just continue making more money. And like, sure. Maybe some of that money's going towards missions or going towards feeding the poor.
1: Or maybe it's going to get your book on the number one bestsellers list. So we'll just drop 20 grand on making sure we're on New York times bestsellers. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's like, That is not God honoring at all. And guess what? It's only a matter of time before God's going to say, I'm putting you back in your place. Yep. And I'm going to tear that thing down because it's not built. It's not built on rock. Yep. It's built on sand. That,
1: that's the awesome part to me, Alex is on the Mount.
0: Boom. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The the awesome part to me is at the end of this passage in Ezekiel that I read, God saying, you know what? I'm coming after him. I'm going to take care of my sheep. And that's exactly what you see in John chapter 10, that Jesus is here and he's Mm -hmm. the good shepherd and he knows his sheep and he calls them by name. Dude, that is one of the most comforting passages Mm -hmm. to me in the entire Bible. Like Jesus knows me by name. He knows
0: Jason Duncan.
1: Like that's how close he is to me. So, like, think about this. Here's how idol worship, and this is why I say I think 95% of the people listening to this, if you go to church, you worship your pastor, or you treat them as an idol in some fashion or another. And you may disagree with that, but how many times have, like, you heard somebody say, like, like for instance, like, I have a family member, and Jess was talking about, like, oh, you should see, like, our pastor's dog. And he's like, you've been to their house? You like whoa! Like what an honor! Like what a privilege! You putting them on a pedestal. Yeah, that's that pedestal. And I remember when we were studying to be pastors. That's what our pastor warned us about. He said, "Get off that pedestal as quick as you can." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just be a normal person to them.
0: That's why I've always appreciated the pastors that have talked about their 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 shortcomings.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, when they
0: talk about their sin struggles and like their their th- like the way their thought life is and like how they even struggle with some of the same same things I've struggled with and it's like I can relate to a guy like that. I can't relate to the pastor that's got the mansion and that his, his all of his kids are well behaved, his wife is, you know, he's got the best marriage in the world.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's through your weakness that God has made strong. Yes. Not through your might. Yes. Like I don't I don't need you to be an awesome Speaker for me, what I need you to be is there when I'm going through a hard time, yeah. And if you're too busy speaking and crafting a message, or your church is too big where you can't recognize that one of your sheep is drowning
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and needs some help, then you need to get some more shepherds in there, man. Like, you just have to. Mm -hmm. If it's in a mega church setting, are you got to find a way to knock it down a back or? release some of your responsibilities of brand building, yeah. more or less.
0: So like, good, all the brand building stuff has to go. Yeah. The only, br- the only brand go. you should need is Jesus. Yeah. That's it. And then anything other anything other than that is just, it's not even icing on the cake. It's, it's just, it'll take away from the brand. That, I shouldn't say the brand, but it'll take away from the person and yeah. work of Jesus. So, a good example of a guy who literally is taking away some of those responsibilities. I I was listening to, uh, and this maybe tells a lot about me, but like, I love Matt Chandler and I was really cautious about listening to him because I never, I didn't want to turn him into another Driscoll in my life. Yeah. But he did something that was amazing. I think he did this last year where he basically said, I have not been a good pastor to you. And he's talking to his church and he's just talking to the location where he preaches at And, I haven't been there for my family. I've been missing my kids growing up. So he said, "I'm done writing books." He yeah. said, "I probably won't write another book until my daughter graduates high school." That's awesome. And his daughter's like five. Yeah, his youngest daughter. And he's like, "I'm not going to do as many speaking engagements." Like, he's got to do he, the he world. Might do
1: some doesn't need Matt Chandler. No,
0: and it's not Matt Chandler's job to
1: bring Jesus to the entire world.
0: But I. Th- but, and my wife and I always say this, like, if you're going to do a mega church, and this this might be putting him on a pedestal, and it, and it probably is, but, like, looking at what he does and how humble he is and how he's got other guys that are preaching every week, and it's not just him taking the whole burden on of being the pastor. Yeah. I I really respect the guy. Yeah. And so...
1: That's, that's my two cents on that. He's got a team in there for checks and balances and stuff. Yes. Uh, if, if I remember, I, it's been a long time since I've listened to Matt Chandler. I, I liked David Platt.
0: Yeah, David Platt, man. And
1: David Platt stepped down from being a pastor, I think, because he was so busy, man.
0: You don't want to get burnt out, because if you get burnt out, it's a hard road climbing yeah, back.
1: I think he became the head of the Southern Baptists. I mean, not that I'm Baptist or anything, but they their... Um, um missionary board. Right. So he's like the head of that, but he he stepped back from pastoring cuz beca- like I said at the at the start of this pastoring a church is a whole lot different than preaching. Mm. You could still preach. Yeah. and not pastor people, but I think that that celebrity like we got to do our best to crush that. We really do.
0: How do you do that though? Like that's the thing. Like for me, like if if somebody if a Do you pastor, stop
1: consuming the product? Like I would hate to do that, but is that it? Like, like if
0: like there's a couple pastors that I listen to. I listen to some of their podcasts or like their sermons, and I'm like, it's kind of like supplemental. Like I like listening to sermons. I'm weird like that. Yeah. So I do prefer I. to listen to sermons nowadays more than I do music, which is really weird. Because yeah. that five years ago, that would not have been the case.
1: Or the audiobook version of Shawshank Redemption.
0: Yeah, I really love that. <laughs> but I think what we need to do is we need to recognize every single time we listen to this, like this is, this is obviously this guy's take on, this, on, the, on the text. This is obviously this guy's way of preaching, his certain mannerisms and jokes that we may be drawn to. But at the end of the day, he's a guy yeah who serves somebody so much bigger? yep, and that it, it, he serves God. He doesn't serve us. He serves God. And the guys that and that's why I appreciate the guys that literally get up and they they preach against sin, they they preach God as being holy and not just a God who's loving, but they actually talk about, well, he's holy and he can't stand sin. And those are the things that really stick out to me because if you're just preaching love, 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 love all the time. That's not necess- that's true about God, but it's also not the only thing about God. And it's just like the same way if 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 and I would kind of classify that as the more liberal route, but also in the same other side of the token where the more conservative route. If you're just preaching and I love this phrase that you came up with, the Fox sermon or the, oh, Fox, the Fox News, News sermon. sermons, if yeah. you're just preaching those all the time, that's not right either. Yeah. You need to f- focus on God, focus on Jesus. Yeah. I I mean, I would say
1: I would say in addition to that like uh, you may have made an idol out of your pastor when you're no longer getting anything out of his messages mm. because you've done crafted him into this mute idol like it says in Psalms uh, 135 like you you've crafted this this image of what you want the the pastor to be and essentially, he's mute to you. And essentially, like we read in Ezekiel, like you don't get any action out of it mm-hmm. because you've you've made an idol out of him. You just created a person, and who you you only hear what you want to hear. I and mean, that's dangerous.
0: It is really dangerous.
1: My dad, one time, well, I guess we'll end with this illustration. Yeah, my dad's a pastor, right? And he's a pastor at a new church. And at the congregation has all these different directions they want him to go. Oh, I think I know this
0: story. Yeah. I'm really so excited. So they, they
1: want him to speak on this. They want him to preach on that. So-and-so has this problem. You need to preach on alcoholism. You know, just kind of stupid church politicking that goes on. Like, this is the message people need to hear. This is what we need you to speak on. And so he gets up on Sunday morning. And mind you, it's a small church. I mean less than less than 300 people maybe 150 people okay right around right around there and so he goes to the people in the front row and he starts handing out a string to each of the people sitting <laughs> in the first row <laughs> and he's holding on to one end of the string and the entire front row is all holding on to their end of the string and so he's like okay everybody start start pulling your strings and so people start pulling the strings and my dad starts dancing like a puppet
0: oh my
1: gosh dude isn't that awesome your dad he starts dancing like a puppet and he says this is the way a lot of you people want me to act like you want me to dance and then he took a pair of scissors and he cut the strings and he said but i'm not going to oh
0: man your dad that's bold, man. That's bold. I don't want to put him on a pedestal too much, but that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jason, do you think we've uh tackled this topic enough?
1: Uh probably not enough to most people's liking. I'm sure we've we've got some holes in there. It's hard to, to cover it's something. It's a pretty this big. big topic, but it is. It's vast, but you know what we haven't done in a while? What's that? An animal fact for you. Oh, my goodness. I'm th- I think we're out of time for animal facts. We don't no, I think we got some time. Here we go. Dang it, Alex.
0: And now it's time for Animal Facts for Jason, the part of the show where Jason learns something about animals. <laughs> All right, Jason, welcome back. <laughs> animal facts for you. Dude, I love doing these because I even learn stuff about animals. And this is an animal that... I knew nothing about, I, had even, I didn't even have any idea that this these things existed until I think I saw it was on uh, Frozen Planet was the documentary, as yeah. it was on Netflix.
1: Before you get started, Alex, I do have to say, like, the other day I caught myself looking up some animal facts. Really? Yeah. I want to know how long birds could stay in flight without landing. How long? 10 months.
0: 10 months? That's the longest?
1: Well, there's one special type of bird. I don't remember what the name of it was because that's not important. I just want to know how long.
0: Was it an African swallow or a Mm. European swallow? No, it was like. That was a Monty Python reference, by the way. Oh, sorry. Have you ever seen that? I'm not a big fan.
1: I like when he's got the coconuts and he's making the horse noise. (laughs) Like, that's as far as I've gotten in Monty Python. And the Holy Grail? I don't get much further than
0: that. Classic. Classic. The Any, co- yeah okay all right sorry anyway anyway Jason so this this ma- this uh, animal I'm gonna dedicate it to all of our our Michigan listeners all right because you guys in Michigan we're we're your people and you know what it's like yeah. to go through a Michigan winter now this Michigan winter has been pretty mild but in years past it's been frigid ridiculously cold yeah. like I remember there was like a, like a whole month like a few years ago we were here, we were in negative temperatures. Yeah. It was February and it was just awful. But this this animals for you guys. I'm going to dedicate <laughs> this to the Michigan people. The Arctic Woolly Bear Moth.
1: What the heck is that, man? There, there's like uh, Never mind. So, let go with it.
0: Just like any other moth or butterfly, the Arctic Caterp- or the Arctic Woolly Bear caterpillar goes through a process of metamorphosis. You know what that word means, Jason? Yes. Okay. You want to explain what metamorphosis is? (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. So metamorphosis is basically this. So a moth, the moth, the the arctic woolly bear moth, will go through uh, four life stages. It'll be an egg. It will be a larva. It will be a pupa. And it will be an adult. So basically, this animal is so fascinating because... This animal, like it says in its name, it lives up in the Arctic. It lives in the Arctic Circle. It lives in Canada and Greenland mainly is where you can find it. But this animal has a special way that it adapts to the freezing cold temperatures. So let me, let me just give you a, a day in a life of, yeah, of, because of the woolly or the Arctic woolly bear moth.
1: I mean, one of the reasons I like Michigan is because we don't have a lot of bugs here. <laughs> and they typically die off in the winter. So this thing already terrifies me.
0: <laughs> that it cannot die actually they do die anyway so an arctic bug i don't like it already so they usually live about seven to 14 years that's way too long which is for the a oldest caterpillar like as as far as a cat or the larva stage that's as that's the longest on the planet that uh a caterpillar stays like you carve it a moth stage. But I'm just saying it starts off as a caterpillar and then it goes into oh, a moth. I knew that. It metamorphosizes into a moth. I knew exactly that. Um, also they can they can laugh. they can survive into negative 76 degrees Fahrenheit temperatures. I'm
1: still going to step on it if I see one. <laughs> when
0: they when they freeze, they spend, they spend 90% of their life frozen.
1: That's insane.
0: So I'll like like I said I'll I'll tell I'll tell you a day in a life of of an uh, Arctic woolly bear moth or caterpillar at this point because it hasn't metamorphosized yet. So basically they hatch right they hatch out from the egg that their parents laid for them and they hatch and what they start to do is they start to eat and they start to eat just the tender leaves that are on the on the tundra. <laughs>
1: I've read Very Hungry Caterpillar, Alex. You can skip ahead. Okay.
0: (laughs) You know, fast forward. (laughs) It gets to the watermelon, (laughs) and now it's big. (laughs) So they eat, and that's basically all they do. They just eat, they eat, they eat, they eat. And then, but since the summers and the springs are so short in the Arctic Circle, they literally get under a rock, and they are frozen. as, As the environment around them is freezing, they literally freeze solid. And their body creates this uh, cryoprotectant material that helps keep their blood from, from freezing into ice crystals because that's how you die. That's how you freeze to death is when your blood and the water in your body turns into ice crystals. And it, you basically like the ice crystals like pierce you and you like you that's just terrifying. bleed out and you die. And so this animal, <laughs> this, this, this caterpillar doesn't do that. It somehow... I don't know how it is, but they just say that, like it's got something in its blood where it just it doesn't fully freeze. Its heart stops beating, br- it stops breathing, but then every spring when the weather starts to warm up, it unthaws and it resurrects. That's... Sound like anybody we know? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's more than three days though, dude. <laughs> That is creepy. It makes so, me think of there's an so, X-Files episode, man, where they're in the Arctic and they dig up these bugs and everybody dies. It's gross.
0: <laughs> anyway, keep going. It's so is creepy. So, the the caterpillar when it's in the larva stage will do this for 7 to 14 years. It'll just eat because there's not like there's there's not a lot of plants up there in the Arctic. So it has to go off of the plants that it can find. Eat, sleep, and freeze. Yeah, that's what this thing does. Basically, instead of eat, prey, years, love. Years. Fourteen years at the very max. So then, at, at some point, whenever it gets to its 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 point where it's you know stored up enough energy and it's eaten enough food, they even say like the the contents in its belly freezes and it doesn't like fully digest until it thaws out and like into the spring. Some of these bugs were alive when I was still in high school. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Oh, it gets man. better though. It gets way better. So eventually they get to the point where they enter the pupa stage. and when it's in the pupa stage or its pupil stage, yeah, for about two weeks, or what it does is it spins a silk cocoon around itself. And then for two weeks, it's in there, changing. And turning into no longer a caterpillar, but a beautiful gray moth. And then at that point, so you got to think, it unthaws. It's like, oh, dang, I've eaten enough food. I can turn into a cocoon. And then two weeks after that, it's like, okay, I'm a moth. I can fly. I've got all these flying abilities. This is really great. I need to find a mate because I don't have the cryoprotectant blood anymore. And so by the time winter hits for the moth, they die. Oh, so dude. they literally have to go have sex, yeah. and then they die. Well, that's. I you mean, know. you go out with a bang, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but you get your wings, you can fly, you have
1: sex, and then you're done. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and but
0: Jason, that's that's the Arctic woolly bear moth, dude, and I hope you. That's really interesting. I mean, they they are nature's Lazaruses, without a doubt. If I'm going to the
1: Arctic Circle, man, I'm taking a box of mothballs. Like. <laughs> Let's see how they handle that with their little cryogenic bodies.
0: Cryoprotectant blood. Yeah. Isn't that crazy, though? That is. 90% of your life frozen. It's almost like Christians in America. You know, they they spend 90% of their lives (laughs) on the couch after they hear sermons. But you know what they also might do when they're on the couch? What's that? They might be on their computer. Yeah. And they might go to www.notyourpastorspodcast.com. And for that, we thank them.
1: Yeah. And then they're going to go to our website and they're going to get their wings. Yep. Probably have sex. (laughs) And then (laughs)
0: die. (laughs) It's so bad, dude. (laughs)
1: That is bad. It's so
0: bad. But anyway, guys, (laughs) there is so much stuff on our website. We're not even going to plug all of our other pages because guess what? If you just go to the website, you're going to get everything there. And we really want to push people to the website, not only because everything's already there for you, but Jason did a bunch of work on it. Yeah. And there's just, there's blogs are there, some pictures that we thoughts, post Alex, are there. We it's, call oh, them sorry. thoughts. Thoughts are there. We're going to have new stuff that we're going to post. We're going to reveal that in a little bit. Um, We've got a new project we're working
1: on, we, dude. I'm that excited I for it. I am so I pumped. Pumped. Next month, man, we're releasing this thing. And, and it's
0: going to be legit. It is.
1: I'm I'm super, super. I can't. I don't want to reveal too many details about nope.
0: it. No, we're just going to leave it off. It's going to be you know a cliffhanger. Yep. But hey, we love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if if we can ask you guys to do anything, pray for your pastor. Absolutely, that's a good point, Alex. I mean, they do so much work, and and I mean, Jason and I being so clo- so closely involved in the ministry that our church does, we see the just the the anguish our pastors go through and just the we've seen them in some of their darkest days
1: the dark days we've also seen a lot of good days too they're pretty remarkable people they are and it's just it's an honor to sit with them one-on-one and have conversations with them
0: so pray for your pastors guys we love pastors if you're a pastor out there hit us up we'd love to talk to you yeah but anyway jason what do you want to tell everybody before we head out always keep your stick on the ice. that's right